Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. And it's a request of baseball fans and media, especially national media, when it comes to the World Series. Can we please, please stop bitching about the pitching usage in this series. I'm tired of the whining with all the pitching changes. I know the games take forever. Cut down the time between innings and you could start. So I get all that. But, Kevin Barker, let's be clear about what we are seeing in this World Series. We're seeing a team in the Houston Astros that hasn't had Justin Verlander Lost its ace, Lance McCullers. We're seeing another team, the Atlanta Braves, who don't have Mike Soroka. haven't had him for a year and a bit now because of an injury. Lost another starting pitcher on a line drive, broke his leg. And like everybody's acting as if it's, it's something extraordinary that we would see managers of these two teams short of starting pitching going with going with openers going to the bullpen quickly in the case of Ian Anderson pulling Ian Anderson out in the fifth inning uh I I would just ask well I'll ask Jays fans in particular to imagine what it would be like if the Jays were in the World Series and they didn't have Robbie Ray because the ball had hit him in the leg, broke his leg, and had spent all year without, I don't know, Hyunjin Ryu. At this point of the season, Kevin, it's all about survival. And I'm, I'm just tired. You know, I, writers that I, I really respect, you know, a couple of them this weekend said, well, this is something that has to be dealt with in the CBA. How? How are you going to, what, how are you going to legislate Pitching usage. You know, I, I said earlier that I, you know, if you want to put in a rule that says you can't start in the postseason unless you've pitched a certain number of innings in the regular season, I, I guess you could go there. But, Kevin, at this stage, it seems to me that we're – it's just it's, – it's a, it's a pointless – it's just a pointless argument to have. Ah, you feel. But I think, I think it's pointless. Then, and you know, there, as I said, a lot of people, and Buster only people like that, even Ken Rosenthal, they've talked about that as being an issue. Something has to be addressed. Doesn't have to be addressed. I don't think it does. All right, happy Monday, everybody. Hey, look, it's uh, you, you know, I think when it comes down to it, and the Braves and Brian Snicker in 15 games have made 63 pitching changes. 
63 in 15 games. Now, I, I get your point. I get your point when Dylan Lee is starting game four of a World well, Series for six, your team. 63 changes in 15 games. It's four changes a game. Well, they, they That's have, four they, changes they, they, on they, average a game. It's a, it's a postseason. That's nothing. I mean, I look, and, and to your point about the Blue Jays, if those two guys were missing, they wouldn't be in the World Series. Well, no, but again, no, 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 absolutely. no, no. I'm, absolutely. I'm, I'm, Barker, I'm saying if Robbie Ray had been hit on the leg in the first game of the World Series pitcher, mm -hmm. for, I mean, the Jays are going to be doing the same thing. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It, it, this idea that, oh, it's, just tra it's not a travesty. It's because all of these teams have hurt starting pitchers. And there are no teams or a few teams in baseball that have five or six starting pitchers. It's just, it, we just spend so much time looking for stuff to whine about with this game. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Okay, Ian Anderson had a no-hitter going through five innings through 73 pitches. Why take him out? I would. Well, it worked out. Uh, well, I'm just okay, saying no, it there's worked. There's I guess there. I guess there was a strategy. The, I guess there was a strategy in play that worked out. So if you're so if you're going to take a guy out with 73, and pitches, Ian Anderson's ready to go the next game, I'm to do what to start. He's going to be starting for the Braves in it, game it, seven. Yeah, I. What. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's gonna. Maybe he'll come out of the bullpen and get. Oh, yeah, I love, I love. I, again, he's only got. He's only got two starting pitchers that are any good. He's only got two starting pitchers that are any good. Both teams. Right? He, he, this is a guy that used two rookies in the world. What does that tell you? That tells you that the Braves don't have a lot of starting pitching. Well, no crap, because Charlie Morton took a ball off the leg. Like it. Look, I understand. We can argue about openers and all this stuff, but this is just such a, it's just such a stupid, stupid argument to have in the World Series. And we're already in a season where we asked, we we took guys from a 60-game regular season because of COVID, put mm -hmm. them in a 162-game season, and all anybody said is, oh, my God, the carnage in the pitching. It's going to be awful. There's going to be a lot of injuries. It's going to be horrible. Well, guess what? There's a lot of injuries. It's going to be horrible. I don't know. Maybe Lance McCullers doesn't have a forearm strain if it wasn't for the fact that his workload was increased so much. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. We spend all year talking about how there's going to be this big issue with pitching, and then it comes along and everybody goes, oh, my God, we need to talk about it in the next CBA, and oh, my God, the games are taking too long because of pitching changes. Games are taking too long because there's too many freaking commercials between innings. Games are taking too long because in this day and age of technology, the Super Bowl, you can have head coaches talking to quarterbacks, right? Head coaches or offensive coordinators. The plays get sent in by you know, radio or whatever into the, into the quarterback's helmet, but oh no, baseball, we can't have the catcher and pitcher having communications. We'd rather, we, we need 15 yeah, seconds. We need 15 seconds between pitches. You're talking, to go about, through the you're talking about saving seconds there. You're, you're not talking about like last night's game. You had a combined six pitchers using the first four innings. Like that, that point about the, the relaying messages through an earpiece to a cat. 
How, how's that going to say? You, you're going to save a lot of time. It's the it's the flow of the game. Kevin, if you for say me, for me, it has nothing to do with the time of the game. It's the flow of ah, the game. It's the it's how nonsense. much action is, is in the game. What's well, not nonsense? nonsense? It's a fact. It's, it's nonsense. It's a fact. If you want to cut down on all the stuff, the sign stealing and changing, you want to count cut down on trips to the mound and all that. That's the way you do it. You've got to make all these incremental changes. You're not going to do one thing that's going to save an hour. <laughs> There's not one move that's going to save an hour at a, the game time. There's not one move that's going to, or one rule change that's going to save half an hour. You're going to have to make a bunch of little changes. Anyhow, I just something that I got tired of reading all this stuff. Oh, yeah, th- let's put this on. Th- let's put this in CBA talks. Owners and players can't decide what time of day it is when they sit down and talk. Let's put this in. Anyhow. I want to talk about the world. Something I had to get off my chest because it's, start, it's starting to piss me off. It's I don't mind when average sports fans who aren't may not be baseball fans watch a World Series and go, oh, my God, this game takes too long. Yeah. Fine. Go watch something else. Go play video games or something like that. That's fine. I don't care. We don't need you. But when it's smart baseball fans and hardcore baseball fans and folks have covered the game for years say, oh, my God, all these pitching changes. Give it a rest. Anyhow, I uh, had to get off my chest. The Astros beat the Braves 9-5. And uh, we're going to game six of the World Series in Houston. Yep. It's going seven, too. Feels like it. Does. Now. Dusty not thinking with his heart anymore and thinking with his brain. Well, he's going to go. Mixed mixed up the lineup a little bit. It's about the lineup. He's going to go with Luis Garcia on three days rest. Get some decent starting pitch. You don't have to have great starting pitch. You get some guys, put them in the right spot. They're trying to get Jordan Alvarez better pitches. That those lefties have been real tough on him. You you can tell that he's letting the ball travel too much. That's what I did when I faced a bunch of lefties. Is I tried to let the ball travel, and then when I faced a righty that I need to get the head out, I couldn't because I my mind was so geared up to letting the ball travel, thinking middle of the other way, don't chase, lay off the breaking ball early and counts. And you sort of look like he uh, he did. And you, you can see that Dusty's putting Correa in front of him, putting Gurriel behind him, thinking, okay, be a little tougher for Brian to go to one of the big lefties. I know that's their guy, and he's going to go to him when he goes to him. But he's thinking, you know, m- maybe get him in at bat where there's not a lefty on the mound so maybe he can be himself and stay in the big part of the field. But That sure looked like, didn't it? It, it sure looked like that that rally against the Red Sox. It just felt that way. Although, you know, there wasn't a nine-run or an eight-run inning, but two runs in the second, two in the third, three in the fifth, and then add-on runs, seventh and eighth. Uh, that was more more the Astros lineup we're used to seeing, more the approach we're used to seeing, I thought, from the Astros. Swing counts. That's what it's all about for me. You know what swing count is? Swing, swing count is, uh, say you're in a 1-0 count if you're a hitter. It's that pitcher's close pitch that you take. Instead of it being 1-1, it's 2-0. Now you can have an educated guess on location. I, I'm just nowadays watching these games as much as I do and trying to critique every single pitch. It's impossible to go up and look fastball all the time. Just is. As much as these lefties, you see men, Mentor coming in using that cutter all the time, 90 miles. Those 97. He's doing cutters. I, what? He's knows 97 and he's, has so much deception and he didn't want to throw it. He'd rather throw cutter. For me, when you're hitting off these kind of guys, you know, you get yourself in an athletic position as fast as you can and you think windows. And I just think swing counts allows you to make an educated guess on where you might be pitched. Gives you a better chance of barreling baseballs. That's what it's about. And the team that can do that one more time than the other team can He's going to win this series. That's 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 for me. And just Dusty thinking with his heart. Dusty should have done this after game one. 
but he fixed his heart too much. I played for Dusty. I know how it is. He called me in the office. I, I, I was nobody for the Reds. And the way he talked to me, talked to me like I was somebody. What, like I was one of the people that was determining the outcome of their season. And that's Dusty. Well, Dusty also, I'll, I'll say this. Dusty managed a hell of a game last night. The decision to go with Zach Granke is a pinch hitter. And I'm, I'm watching the game, and, of course, social media is blowing up. And I, I went, people, it's the fourth freaking inning of the game. You're not going to roll out your best pinch hitter at Why this not? point in the game. I'm not. I'll go, with Zach, I'll go, with, I'll go with Zach Granke. I'll go with Granke. Granke can get me well, a you're hit. Begging. The only reason you're saying that is because Granke got an elevated 90-mile-an-hour BP heater and hit a line drive to right field. That's which the he, only reason you're saying which that. Which he can do. But How again, many times have again, you talked about pitchers hitting? Uh, it's the awful. Only it's the worst thing. That. But, Absolutely. But in that situation, I'm not burning somebody off my bench in well, the fourth I, inning. Like I'm, just what, not, I'm what, sorry. What, I'm just you, not. You can burn them when you're on the plane on your way home when the game's over not. and you've lost a series. That, that this, when it works out, you tip your hat to the manager and say, that is the greatest thing you've ever done. But then it doesn't. Yeah, it, 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 it helped he's leading off an inning. Well, there was nobody on. And yeah. It's, it, it, that helps. Now, if there's somebody on... <clears throat> You you may think about who you're who you're doing it with. You can, it's it's like it's like when you hit the pitcher eighth, even though that hit that pitcher has a decent approach at the plate, it eliminated your best hitter in Guriel. Because what do you do? You walk him. You pitch yeah. around him because that hitter or that pitcher doesn't hit all the time. I take my chances with that guy. If I make a decent pitch, I can get him out instead. You know, you live and you learn those kind of things. And, and you know, the Astros were really overthinking it. Like well, putting the I pitcher wanna, in the eight hole and just because, but what? Because the, he's a better hitter than the catcher. No, I wanted to ask you about That's the Astros. I wanted to ask you about the Astros overthinking it, and specifically Alec Bregman overthinking it. Um, but Alex. Well, well, Alex, sorry, but we'll do that. I I want to I want to touch on something Dusty Baker said after the game yesterday, and look, his team gave up four runs in the first inning. Yeah, but Dusty was asked about the pregame routine his team went through. And uh, for those of you who don't know, the weather was in, 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 inclement uh, in in Atlanta. So for the first two games of the series, there wasn't the usual stuff done on the field. So yeah. basically, well, you know, Lance played this clip because Dusty Baker was asked about uh, about his teams, about the fact they got more hits in this game and, and they seem more comfortable in this game than they had at any point in the series in Atlanta. Can you can you play it, please, Lance? The first inning Grand Slam, uh, mm-hmm. what were your thoughts, uh, you know, when that ball sailed out? And the fact it was the first inning, did that give you, uh, you know, just some confidence you guys still had a lot of chances to? Uh, well, yeah, out? I mean, if it's, I always say if it's going to happen, let it happen early. Uh, you know, you don't want it to happen in, in the middle of the game or toward the end of the game. And, uh, you know, like we, um, you know, the guys came through. You know, that's, that's what, what counts. And uh, today <clears throat> really felt like, you know, the World Series because we got to, you know, go on the field and see all the people and see all the media and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, it felt like the World Series where the others, you know, felt like we were coming out of, you know, the dungeon and just going to play. And uh, so, <clears throat> you know, that was that was big, the, the fact that we got to, you know, get on the field. Okay, that way, and... and- Dusty was asked subsequent to that to expand on what he meant by saying they were able to get out in the field and take batting practice, Lance. It changed, it's kind of like a rain delay, what it felt like. It, you know, it changes your, 
your routine. You know, you go out, you catch ground balls, you run, you throw, you, you, you take batting practice, then you come back in and then you get something, a snack, get something to eat, and then, you know, it's an hour, hour and a half or before the game and you get in your mind together. And like I said, today felt like the World Series, you know, for us. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the other days felt like, I mean, that's the, that's the weirdest probably three days that I've ever uh, seen in the World Series. I've never not hit on the field at, at the opposing uh, uh, team. So, uh, you know, that was big. That was real big for us. All right. Now, uh, Kevin, I want to talk to you about that, and we'll get to some of the other details. But having covered World Series and having been part of that, it's – I I I remember, and, I, and I'm I'm trying to remember which trying to remember which Yankee it was. It might have been it, it it might have been Derek Jeter, but they had a series where there were some rainouts, some some delays, and batting practice was screwed, and guys had to go down in the tunnel, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember one of the players making the point that when they finally got out to take batting practice. It's already so different. You know it's the World Series. There's no other there's no other games going on. You can't sit in the clubhouse and watch another baseball game. And their point was everything is so different that BP and shagging the balls and standing out in the outfield, that that's kind of the that's the one normal thing that suggests to you it's it's just another baseball game. We yeah. can sit and talk and say, Well, you gotta treat it like another game, like another game. Fact of the matter is it's a World Series, and I think there's something to what Dusty said: being able to hit yeah. in the other team's now, park, now, being able to field in the other team's now, park. Now, remember what he remember when he talked about going to Fenway Park, and he tra- talked about that controlled environment thing. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what he's talking about. He's not talking about the game. He's talking about uh, his players' routines, not messing that up, being at the field a certain time of the day, doing their cage work, doing their ground balls, throwing in the outfield. If you're a pitcher, all of those things are routines. He wants it to be as normal as possible. Because of the surroundings, it's impossible to be normal, right? It's the World Series, and you just can't find a place to hide if you're a really good player. Everybody wants to talk to you. But that little part when you go out, you know, the, the time of the, the the batting practice and when you throw, those are all scheduled, controlled environment parts of it. And I can just remember winter ball. I played in Puerto Rico. It rained the same time every single day. Yeah, I, I didn't get to take batting practice ever. I hated it. I hate it because it was that mojo time for me. It was that confidence time. All that work and sweating and cussing at people that I did in the batting cage, I wanted to see it related on the field. And that's kind, of the, kind of the fun part, isn't it? Absolutely. Look at me. It gives yeah. me a little it's bit a of that fun chest. Part. It gives me like that Bregman thing. Bregman needs to see it from the cage going on the field and batting practice. He'll see a, a, a batting practice thrower throw something middle away and he backspins it to right center because he's more worried about his top hand than he is getting a good pitch to hit. That's what hitters are all about. That's what position players are all about when it comes to ground balls, backhands, and all of those things that if they take care of in batting practice and they do it every single day, it's just second nature to them when they get yeah. in the game. And that's what Dusty is talking about it's a good point, isn't absolutely it? Absolutely, it is. It's one thousand percent a all part of being a big leaguer and everything that goes on. I've never been a World Series, but I can imagine everything that goes on with reporters wanting to talk to all these different players, and that's just sort of their time to go away, 
get away from me and let me go out there and see what I'm working so hard on off the field and see it translating on the field because we get a chance to do it. Mm-hmm. And then you get that so much confidence going into the game that I saw it in batting practice. And when I was good with my lower half and my hands went this way and I had a nice short, quick swing and I could get long through it, that's where the ball would go because I was getting that certain kind of pitch and you've seen it translating in batting practice. I'm with him a thousand percent because I've tried to do that. And I could just remember the couple of years that I played in Puerto Rico. It, I'm not kidding you. It rained. I believe it. All the time, the exact same, it's same like time Florida. of the day. It's like and Florida it was in the summer. Practice time, yeah. And it was awful. And and you were always trying to worry about where I was taking batting practice and, and cage. And it just, it wasn't the same. And it was very hard to get over. And I can relate a thousand percent for him. And you can see that the bats looked a little bit better. They're pitching, their takes Looked a lot better. Now, did that have anything to do with them taking batting practice? I don't know. But maybe if they think it does, you can talk yourself into anything. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk about Alex Bregman uh, because I think this gets to your point, something about the Astros. And maybe maybe, maybe that explains part of, of you touched on it, of, of why Alex Bregman looked so much better yesterday is just the fact that, um, you know, put yourself in his position. Now, he's scuffling. And you know what he's been doing. He's been in the cage. He's been wearing it out in the cage. Yeah. He's been wearing it out in the cage. He's a guy who overthinks. And he hasn't doesn't have that opportunity to, to go out and be outdoors and feel ground balls. He's just in the cage, just wearing it out and probably going to look in a video and going back in again. So he looked, I think we can agree, he looked better yesterday. Uh, that hit he got, was, I, look, there were a lot of turning points in that game, but but... That hit that kind of got the Astros on the board, I think, was a good sign. And then, you know, another thing that gets forget forgotten after Freddie Freeman's home run, he makes a hell of a defensive play uh, on on a bouncing ball, and the 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 Astros get out of that inning without any further damage. But you talked about Alec, Alex Bregman, and he spent a lot of time afterwards talking about his top hand, his top hand, his top hand was weak, and and. He, you know, you were looking at me and shaking your head and yeah. going, "That's that's overthinking it." Man. Absolutely, I, yeah, I, I was always taught and everything that I went through when I was when I was hitting and I went through a ton of slumps. I I can tell you for a fact, I never walked up to any hitting coach whatsoever and said, "You know what's wrong with me? My top hand." You know what your top hand does? It's, bas- it's basically just on your barrel to 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 add balance to the end of your bat. That's basically the only reason it's there. It's your bottom hand. Your bottom hand's your steering wheel. Wherever your bottom hand goes, your top hand follows. That for me is way overthinking it. And the one thing you noticed yesterday, the two strike hit he got was a fastball right down the middle. Yep. And that that's the point here is I've told you this forever. This time of the year it's not mechanical. They can say it is. They can say, you know, my top end. And I saw his, his interview after the game with Heidi Watney, I think it was. And the first thing out of his mouth is, my top hand's atrocious. What? I, I just don't understand what that means. I, I, I guess I'd have to stand beside him, ask him the question, have him show it to me. Maybe that's that's him. Maybe that's when he knows he's struggling. He thinks it's his top hand because that's the kind of hitter he is. But I just think bottom line is you haven't been getting good pitches to hit. If you get good pitches to hit because you have talent hitting, you will barrel up more baseballs than you want if you're swinging outside the zone. And yesterday for me, he got a few better pitches to hit. Now, the 2-0 pitch that he popped out to, to short left field, that's a ball. Those are swing pitches. That's my mm-hmm. point is these guys nowadays, if in these big-time games, if you can get to the swing pitch – 
take the close pitch to get to a better pitch so you can have an educated guess on where that pitch might go the next time, the next pitch around. That's that's ultimately what you're trying to get to. And good for Dusty. It's about time. Dusty should have done this after game one. But this is Dusty. Again, I know Dusty. I know how Dusty works. But this, I'm going to say this out loud. This might have saved the Astros season. This might be the reason why they win the World Series. You want to know why that was? Carrera last night, three for five with two RBIs. Yuli Gurriel, three for five with it's an nice, RBI. It's nice not having the pitcher hitting behind you. Absolutely. If you're Gurriel. You want to know why that is, too? Jordan Alvarez was, was 0 for 5. Yeah. Like, he's really struggling. He's trying too hard, it looks like. He's trying to be the cleanup hitter in the World Series, and sometimes a guy like that, especially his age, needs some help. Well, Good for Dusty. I, and I will say this as well, with the series shifting back to Houston, we've probably seen the end of, of pitchers hitting. And uh, Jordan Alvarez gets to be a DH again, probably gets back into a more comfortable routine. I would imagine Jose Siri probably gets a start out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it, it. you're right. I, I, I don't, sometimes I think that we make too much of, of moves in the batting order, but this was, this worked out. Uh, the people that had to get better got better. That, I, I mean, that's the only way I, I, whatever, whether it was Dusty's decision to do this or whatever, who it, it, the people that had to get better got better. Well, this is 1000% all Dusty. And re- this is a real simple thing for me. Would you rather have Bregman or Correa slash Guriel getting more and more bet? Yeah. That's no, that's, it's a no brainer. This is an easy fix. I wanted to ask you about Martin Maldonado's at bat, not the RBI, but the walk that he drew. Yeah. And he, now I'm, this is him and Carlos Correa talking about that at bat. So, but apparently with AJ Minter on the mound, before Maldonado went up to the plate, he said something to Alex Cintron, the hitting coach. Fastballs. Yeah. But, but Cintron said, crowd the plate, which is what he did. He crowded the plate. He got the walk. Anything to that? Absolutely. I, I've, I've been saying this as long as you've known me. I, I used to do this all the time. Guy, guy, guy had a really good pitch that he likes to throw you that's not a strike most of the time. Move in the batter's box. Make the target smaller for him to throw it to. And, and I just can't believe that Travis Darno, who is – I, I would assume prides himself on noticing adjustments yep. and knows that a guy on the mound didn't throws, notice that he throws ninety eight and straight. Uh, Maldonado's not a very good hitter. No. He's up there to walk. That's why he's crowding the plate to make the target smaller because he wants to eliminate the cutter. Okay, what would you have done if you're Darno? How do you no how do you go about that? It's ninety seven. Just throw, throw fastballs. Yeah. Like the, most hitters at the big league level struggle because they can't hit fastballs. Not the other way around. Not because they can't hit a moving ninety mile an hour cutter. No. It's because they can't hit fastballs. Something straighter, something close to the to the strike zone. That's okay. He made an adjustment to you. He's trying to strength something that you're th- trying to throw at the target that you want to throw it at because he's trying to walk with the bases loaded. So it's if you're awfully a catcher, hard. If it, you're a catcher and you see that, okay, you want to do that. Yeah. Here's his 97. How's I just don't I, I saw that and and you you tip your hat to a to a a guy that's. Obviously, behind the plate, been there and understands that he's caught guys 
like that that try and, you know, rely more on the movement than location of that pitch. And if you crowd it and make the target smaller for him to throw to, it'll be harder for him to locate it, and his misses will be bigger, so the take will be easier for the hitter. That's why you move closer to the plate. But if you're the catcher, okay, you want to do that? Here's his 97. Good luck. So there is a way. And I think I think listeners will be interested in this. There is a way to go up and draw a walk. Well, Say, I'm going to draw a walk. He did it. And the whole little the bunt thing and everything like that That's was true. just... It's a 3-1 count. That means absolutely nothing. He's left his hand already. That was just kind of... He's left his hand already. Like, it's... What, what's it, it look good. It's high school. <laughs> uh, you're beginning to see, though, I think, why Dusty has so much faith in Maldonado. Yeah. You're, he's, I, he's a brains of the thing, isn't really he? Do, I, I really do think it's that's why it's very hard for him to pinch hit for him early in games. Yeah. We, we yelling and screaming. I'm slamming stuff and throwing stuff to TV. Why aren't you pinch hitting for him? And then you see what he brings to all the pitchers that you hate. The 63s, everybody's complaining. I'm not the one, I'm not the you know, one the, hating. The, 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 I'm, I'm the saying, Astros, the Astros do what you got to do to win, man. the exact same way. And to have a guy behind the plate that knows these pitchers the way he does, and, you know, it's – he ain't going away from it, and this is who Dusty is, and – Good for him. I, I I just don't understand why Travis Darno didn't go, okay, I see what you're doing. I see you're trying to take away this guy's best pitch. He likes to throw the cutter. He likes to get weak contact. He'll elevate the fastball, the four-seamer with two strikes. Could he be well, thinking? Okay, I'm going to mix that up because he can he can command yeah. the four-seamer a little bit better. Let's throw him that. Because it's not – I was, I was going to say it's a it's not as if you're worried about a wild pitch with a runner in third or anything like that. I, there's I, – I'm just trying to – walk through my mind what would be in his mind and what would be in A.J. Minter's mind. Yeah, you know, A.J. Minter, you're, you're the dude with the ball. You could have went tiempo. Exactly. Travis, come out here for a second. You see what he did? Stop him. I thought, I'm not going to throw my cutter because I don't real feel confident that I can throw yeah. three of them for strikes. How about I throw my four-seamer? You know it's 97. I, I throw it with deception. This guy's hitting like a buck 40 all year on four-seamers. Let's throw him at. Well, the Braves will have to wait to win their first World Series since 1995. They've got two more chances in Houston, as we mentioned. The DH in play, no pitchers hitting. Thank goodness. 8 o'clock is the first pitch tomorrow on Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet. Mike Mordecai is a former MLB infielder, former Toronto Blue Jays coach. He managed the New Hampshire Fisher Cats as well, their AA affiliate in 2019. He played on that Braves team in 1995, the World Series champion. And by the way, tell you how much times have changed. In that clinching game for them, Tom Glavin pitched eight one-hit innings. At no point, Bobby Cox think had taken him out of the game in the fifth inning, I wouldn't think. Mike Mordecai joins us. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Laren Barker on a Monday. I got all that anger out of my system about ah, the anger. I forgot to wish people a happy Monday. Reminder of, uh, well, I'm going to give you a little breakdown of what's going to happen this week and the weeks going forward with the show. This is the last week that we will be on the air from 10 to 12 until, well, sometime around spring training. But, but, you'll still be able to get your 
Phil of Blair and Barker will be doing a uh, weekly pod, and we've got some other things planned in and around Jay's player moves, uh, in and around CBA talk, which, boy, oh, boy, I cannot wait to break down the new CBA. Can't wait to listen till you do it. <laughs> and uh, as I said, we'll, we, we'll, we'll have very much have a presence online, and uh, you'll also hear us on the station. Uh, for example, around the winter meetings, we'll be on regularly. Uh, but that's where we are right now. Then, when spring training starts, we will be back uh, 10 to noon Eastern. And then once the season starts, we'll still be 10 to noon Eastern. We will be hosting Blue Jays talk immediately following Jays games, both Barker and myself. And then whenever the Leafs fall out of the playoffs or whenever the Leafs season ends, probably be a better way to put it, um, we'll be on 5 to 7 as a pregame show getting you set for the Blue Jays. So there you go. You're, uh, we're going to be moving around a little bit, but uh, we'll keep you informed as to when, where, and how you can see us. This much I do know, we will be back tomorrow, and we will be getting you set for Game 6 of the World Series. The scene now shifts back to Minute Maid Park. The Houston Astros forcing that game with a 9-5 to win over the Atlanta Braves last night. And Mike Mordecai is a former MLB infielder, won a World Series with the Braves in 1995, uh, he is currently head baseball coach at Northside Methodist Academy in Alabama, and we're very pleased that he joins us. Mike, thanks for doing this. Really good to uh, really really good to talk to you again, and we we trust that you're doing well and and you're keeping well. Um, as somebody who was part of that '95 Braves team, I was we were just talking before the break, and I said, you know, I, I covered those those Braves teams of the '90s, and I remember in '95, I think Tom Glavin, if I'm not mistaken, pitched eight or seven and two-thirds innings of one hit ball or something like that in the in the final game. And I said to my colleague, Kevin Barker here, I'm willing to bet Bobby Cox didn't think of taking him out <laughs> after the fifth in that game either. I'm, I'm just wondering, can you compare that 95 team to what we see now with this Braves team? Uh, this is definitely different. The... The teams that we had there were built on the starting pitch and get them, get them late in the games, turn it over to the bullpen. And we had Mark Wallers closing things out. He had a couple set up, man, and that, that was it. And it seems like now uh, pitchers are going to go four or five innings and then you turn it over to a bullpen and let them pitch an inning apiece to get you through the end of the game. But Bobby had the luxury of having some guys that – could get guys out the third time through the order. Mike, there, there's uh, if you further to your point, uh, Brian Snickers made 63 pitching changes in 15 games in the playoffs, and I, you're the perfect guy to ask this because you're a middle infielder. What would be some of the biggest challenges as an infielder with all of these pitchers coming into the game like they are? Well, making sure they're on the same page with how they're attacking the hitters for sure. Um, the, the, I guess the biggest, some of the biggest challenges would be holding runners. Uh, and, and, and that was back in the day because they would, there would be guys that run. Uh, now it doesn't seem like there's many, many guys that are going to run at all, but definitely, uh, holding runners, making sure you're, you're in the right spots. And basically, some communication there between you and the catcher 
at times. But when you have all those when you have all those moves with the pitchers, uh, sometimes the, the comfort level goes up and down. Uh, and what I mean by that is there's some guys you know coming out of that bullpen that are they're going after guys with a fastball. Uh, then there's going to be some guys that are coming out with breaking balls and knowing the other hitters and whether they're going to be trying to shoot the ball to right field or trying to pull pitches, you know, get the barrel out. It, it creates sometimes uh, defensively some uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, 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 I honestly, I, with all these shifts that are going on now, I I think it can, would would seem to cause a little bit of uh communication issues at times, especially on pop-ups in a, in a triangle where you got four guys out there in one area. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it can create some problems. You know, Mike, one of the things as well, I, I remember managers always talking about, and players always talking about the importance of pace. You know, you like, everybody say, you know what I like about this guy? He keeps the infielders on their toes. You know, the ball, the, he's got a good pace. The ball's going to be in play. There's a rhythm and guys can kind of get on the field, get their plays made, get in. How, how much of a thing is that still, do you think? The idea that a pitcher can set a, a rhythm or set a pace for his team that actually makes it play better defense? I definitely think there's something to that. Um, but then in this day and age, uh, they're, wor- they're more worried about making their pitch, and everyone else just has to uh, join in on the attack, so to speak. But you're you're right. You get a pitcher that gets gets the ball and gets it up to the plate. The infielders stay on their toes. Um, now, I mean, literally last night, uh, I think when the fifth inning had started. And it was a long inning. I believe it was the fifth inning. They scored, put up quite a few runs. Anyhow, I went and took a shower. I ate and came back, and we're still in the fifth <laughs> inning. And I'm thinking, how, how, there's no rhythm to this. But it, it, and you're exactly right. As an infielder, even in an outfielder, you want that ball going to the plate so you can stay on your toes. You're, you're, you're expecting the ball hit to you. But in this day and age of strikeouts, it's very difficult because there's a lot of swing and misses. And whether they will tell you or not, whether they admit to it, defenders, they will get lackadaisical because they don't think the ball is going to be put in play uh, based on you know what they're watching. There may be a couple swings that someone takes, and you're like, this guy's got no chance. Mm. And so you just kind of relax a little bit, and the next thing you know, there's a ball put in play. And, and let's be honest, it, the infield, it, natural grass infields down south are fast, and I and I – Remember the one in Houston being pretty quick itself, but the one in Atlanta is definitely fast. So you create some problems there. The ball shooting through the infield if, if the ball is put in play hard at all, um, and then and then the jumps in the outfield. I mean, uh, they got to be they got to be ready for line drives hit off the bat or whatever. So yes, all those things adding adding into it, um, you know, going through their sequences and things like that, staying on, staying anxious. It's a word I'd like to use, anxious for the ball to come off the bat. Mike, looking back at those great Braves teams that you were a member of, the, yeah, you, you were in a couple of World Series. You won a World Series. Uh, the Braves won a World Series in 95. But I think a lot of people think there should have been more of them. How, how do you view those those teams? Because, you know, I, that was one of the best, if not the best pitching staff, well, the best pitching staff I've seen, period, uh, in, in my time. What do you think explained 
the reason that there weren't more World Series titles for that team? Not enough luck on their side. To mm-hmm. be honest with you, uh, I think any anybody that's been around the game long enough knows when you get into those World Series situations, yes, you got to give yourself an opportunity to win the games, but there's always a little luck on your side. And they just didn't have it. I mean, the, and, and the one that I can remember more vividly, and I was in the minor leagues at this time with against Minnesota in 91. Um, I mean, Ken Herbeck picks Ronnie Gant's leg off, off of first base and they get him out. And I, I don't know. I still, to this day, don't know how they, they allowed that. Then you got um, you got a ball hitting the gap and Lonnie Smith's going first to third and would have scored. And the infielders deked him, and he didn't know where the ball was at in the Metrodome there. So he holds up at third uh, with with, and I say a little bit of luck, but but yeah, there are there are some things that could go your way. Uh, 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 just the fact that you might instead of a swing and strike three, you just foul a ball off and get another pitch. Those types of things. Obviously, there's skill and things like that involved, but I'm saying. Luck of the fact that, hey, if Lonnie Smith kind of actually looks up and knows where that ball is, and it's tough in some of those stadiums, especially when they're waving white tiles and stuff like that back in the day in the Metrodome, uh, he knows where that ball's at, and he, he's going to keep running and probably scores on the play. And we're, we're talking about uh, two world championships, and this might be their third. Just things like that. Uh, the one in, uh, against the uh, the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Um don't remember that one uh, a lot. I mean, I remember bits and pieces of it, but hey, t- Toronto uh, was was a good club. I mean, don't give credit where credit's due. You got two good teams going at it, so a lot of times luck is, is what separates the two. There's the, the ball, a ball falls in instead of falling foul, things like that. That's the way it goes. So we've seen uh, Ozzy Albie make some some bounce throws to Freddie Freeman this time of the year. How hard is it to adjust? accuracy of your throws from positions in the infield? Well, the thing that, that's happening now is guys are uh, they're going like down here in Atlanta. Uh, it's cooler now. The grip on the ball and things like that. Uh, and we all know that <laughs> what we've been going through, I guess what the, the guys have been going through about um, substances and grips and things like that. Uh, and that ball comes off that bat, and there may be a little dew on the ground. The other night it's wet. But we're, we're, we have infielders now, and they practice this, uh, throws from different angles all over the field because you got to play certain areas now. N- not what I was accustomed to playing. We worked on backhands and balls up the box and stuff like that, but we're talking about totally different areas these guys are playing in on the field. And then, you know, you see uh, the other night. Now, this is me personally, mm-hmm. uh, uh, second baseman there for the Braves. And I, his name's eluding me right now. I can't believe Ozzie that. Um, but, yeah, but he, he has, it looks to me like he's he's got a funny throwing motion. Just me, the way he releases the ball, he doesn't follow through over the top of the ball, old Bobby Maddox thing. And um, he just kind of flips the ball over there at times, and you can see the ball turning, you know, it's rotating sideways. And you see Freddie Freeman picking him. So, not saying he's got a bad arm. I'm just saying some of the throws that he makes, they look a little ugly. Uh, but, <laughs> but yes, throws from different spots on the field. They can get a little tough, especially this time of year with the cool weather. 
Mike, in your uh, position as athletic director and head baseball coach uh, at Northside uh, Methodist Academy, I, I wanted to ask you this. We, we started our conversation talking about, you know, the pitching changes. As someone who's coaching kids now, how, how do you are, – are what we are currently seeing at the major league level in terms of how pitchers are being handled, is that having a trickle-down effect at you know, the, the high school level as well? Or is it still no. it, or is it still, you know, good arm, you're gonna you're gonna ride that arm. Yeah, that's what happened. I I was talking to someone here the other day. We played a game last year and our, our games are seven innings. And we had a kid throw hundred and forty seven pitches against us. Ooh. And I just thought to myself, there's we, we went we went extra innings, we went nine innings. He pitched eight of them and threw hundred and forty seven pitches. And I bet half of them or more than half are breaking balls. I know uh, their coaches are calling pitches, which, by the way, I don't call any pitches for our club. I let our kids go out there. And I just keep an eye on when I see pitches start being elevated and consistently and it's just about time for them to go. And I try to, I try to protect them as much as I can. But when a guy's rolling along, he's getting guys out, and I talk to him, he says he's feeling good. And everything is pointing to me that he's he's still got it. I'm going to let him run out there, but I'm definitely not going to throw him, you know, over 100 pitches in a high school game. That's that's, that's not good for him. Right, Mike. Really good of you to join us. Real good insight, and uh, glad you're keeping well, my friend. Stay safe. Thanks, buddy. We'll Take see care. You. Absolutely. That's Mike Mordecai. Uh, he's a real good, yep. real good infielder, infield coach uh, for the Blue Jays. Managed Double A team you want to uh know a little bit about how santiago espinal became a good defender a lot of it comes down to the time that he spent with mike uh, mordecai and that those braves teams were i mean i just i could talk and i could go on about them forever yep. they, they should have won they should have won five world series but he's right they had they, they had breakdowns at the strangest times that that series against the jays i i don't remember the exact situation but i i remember I remember that the Braves didn't guard third baseline late in the game and a ball shot down. There was just a bunch of stuff that went on. And and with the Braves, it always seemed to come down to something happened in the bullpen that in the postseason that that led to breakdowns. But, God, when you think Glavin, <clears throat> Smoltz, Maddox, um, God, they had Kent Merck. I mean, the, the, the pitchers that rolled through there, they should have. They should have won four or five worlds. Yeah, it's series. a lot of luck too. You, you have to you, the right guy's got to be up the right time. The right pitcher's got to be on the mound. You got to have some surprises out of your bullpen mm-hmm. a lot of the times, which is what the the Braves are trying trying to get a lot of surprises. You know, most teams can't do what the Braves are doing right now, but they're trying. And and further to your point and your rant that you had earlier, that's that's what you have to do this time of the year when you don't your starting pitching's mm-hmm. not living up to par and. For whatever reason, they're hurt, they're injured, they're they're not pitching as well. It just is what it is. I, it's I I think especially when you look sort of like back at the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays for me when they get to a point where the balls hit on the ground in the infield and you can turn away if you're a fan of the Blue Jays, go to the refrigerator and you know it's an outs and out. That that's sort of what you're seeing with these two teams. The Braves are that way, and the Astros are that way, and the and the Blue Jays are trying to get that way now of where you don't give any more than 27 outs. 27 outs, what you getting? Every time you come in here, you always talk about the good teams. not going to beat themselves. Yep. 
Blue Jays are trying to do that. The Astros are doing that now, and so are the Braves, and that's why they're at where they're at. And, and now it's just it's just having the right guy at the right time. And you know what? Really, I think what we've seen with these two teams in particular, the importance of consistency in your infield. We've talked about how Gurriel, Altuve, Correa, and Bregman have played almost, I think now we're getting, we're closing in on 85 postseason games together. They've been basically together for five years. You look at the Braves, Freeman, Albies, Swanson. Now Austin Riley is, 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 is a bit new, but you've got infields that are used to being together. And I just think that, especially now, Kevin, with team shifting so much, yeah. knowing what the guy beside you does is important. Carlos Correa, when I was listening to Carlos Correa talk last night after the game, and he was talking about he has speeds of the runner taped to the inside of his hat. I've never heard anybody like a 60 runner to know that, that we talk about Boba Shed all the time mm-hmm. and that internal clock of how, how quickly his, his feet have to be to get r- rid of the baseball or how much time he has to go over top. Correa's an over-to-the-top guy because he always wants to throw the ball at the chest and the bill of the hat, and he's, he thinks it's easier to do that and can have a straighter throw straight over the top. It's just interesting to see Mike talk about the, the, the speed of the infield. Well, for me, what I've heard is faster in Houston than it is in Atlanta. Yeah. But you got to adjust to those things where you play, how close you play. He, you may play a little bit more on the grass you would in one field than you would the other field. It's but you, Bark, you played a lot of games in the South, minor league games, major league games. The, the infields there are faster than they are than they are. Maybe hotter. You know, you got to water it a little bit more. That has might have something to do with how fast the infields are, and and you you may have to to scrape it a little bit more with the tractor and. That that makes it a little bit faster. I, I I just I whenever I played on those fields, never really noticed that. But you're at I, first, I, you're at first base I did. too. Ball, so. Balls hit harder down there. You get a lefty up yeah. who's a pole hitter. Balls hit hard too. It's hit hard one way or the other on one field than it is right. the other field. That's you'd probably notice it more as a middle infielder. You because you don't really read as many bounces at first with base with the do shifts. You? And we see in Altuve's uh, get in between. Does he come after a ball? Does yeah. he lay back on a ball because of the infield? The, the back spin, the top spin, these guys not throwing four seamers as much as they do. Sinkers and cutters wanting the ball move that much. You get top spin more. Infielders, what do they do? They're more aggressive. We saw Bregman last night, the first batter, Solaire, top the ball on a sinker. What do you do? Do you wait on it? Do you come in on it? Do you go back on it? You're in between. When you're in between, you miss the ball, and that puts your uh, your pitcher in harm's way. That's, I think what Mike is talking about is the the speed of the infield. What do you do? When do you do? You have to know that going into the game. You have to know the guy on the mound, what the ball's doing when he throws it. If a ball comes off, what's it going to do when it hits the ground? You have to adjust that way. It's these are two really good infielders. Uh, All of these infields, they know what to do on balls. They're very aggressive. They don't let the ball play them. We talk a lot, a lot of with Bo Bichette. Sometimes he's in between. He gets his feet tangled a little bit. He doesn't know where he wants to get his feet lined up to where he wants to throw his target. It's rarely did you see. That's why I asked him about Ozzie Albies. He pronates a lot. It's what Mike says. Pronate means when he throws it, it looks like a changeup. He's he's pushing his thumb towards the ground because he has a weird arm angle that he throws from. And for me, if you know that already going in as an infielder, you have to, if you're Ron Washington, and you know a guy has a little funky, weird arm angle, and he pronates at the end, which will make his ball do something weird to the first baseman or to his target he's throwing it to, 
that would mean you come after the ball quicker, you release the ball quicker. You, you know, you, you might throw it harder. All of those things come into play. You have to make adjustments to help your teammate out.